thank you for listening to Willamette Community Church's sermon series online. Join us as Pastor Scott takes us into Job 38 and discusses what maturity looks like from a biblical perspective. We're going to start something today for the next six weeks. I'd like us to consider this idea of maturity, what it means to mature in our Christian faith. In the front of your worship program, it says these words almost every single week, growing closer to God, helping others along the way. If you summed all that up in one word, it would be maturity, that we are in a growth process, and a growth process ultimately to draw near to God and to help others that we have life with. And so we're going to consider maturity today and in the coming days. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. It looks like Job, doesn't it? But uh, if you open your Bible kind of to the middle, you find the Psalms. The book before that is Job, and if you want to use this Bible sitting in front of you, we're going to be on page 443. As you're turning there, and as I have seen the start of school happening, I see pictures every once in a while on Facebook, and what we see is our kids growing older, and maybe they're showing the number of fingers as they're going to school, things like that. Now I'm in the second grade or the fifth grade, and we keep seeing that the kids are getting older. And if you look in the mirror, you realize at times you're getting older. And every once in a while, Facebook might send you a message that says, five years ago this happened, and you look and you say, wow, I had hair on my head, or whatever that was a few years ago. And you understand that you are getting older. That's a process that we are all going through. But are we actually maturing? Are we actually maturing? And this is what I'd like us to consider over the next six weeks. Are we actually maturing? To be honest with you, we're all mature in one sense until somebody brings out the bubble wrap, right? I mean, we might look like we have it under control, but you bring out a roll of that stuff, whoo, we got to have that at the men's retreat. Break out a little bubble wrap, and uh, we'll turn into boys real quickly. But, uh, you know, part of uh, maturity is growing up. It says, you know what, I, I'm not going to follow the crowd, right? Wouldn't you agree that that's maturity to say, you know what, I, I'm not going to always follow the crowd. And so cheers to everyone not following the Pokemon Go fad. And uh, that's a sign of maturity, I think, some of you. I know that some of you are trying that or your kids or grandkids are doing that. But I'm not doing that. But I think it's just because I'm old. It has nothing to do with maturity. But there is a difference. You would agree, right? There is a difference between getting older, which is a natural process, and maturity, which, well, hopefully we're all pursuing. Let me talk about that here in a bit. Because growing older is a natural process. It just, it happens. Today you are older than you were yesterday. We celebrated some birthdays in the office this last week, and it's like, you're getting older, but the reality is every single one of us, every single day, are getting older, whether you like it or not. But maturity, well, that's going to take intentionality. That's going to take a strategy. That's going to take partnering with God to mature in your Christian faith. The Apostle Paul, <clears throat> in the book of Colossians, quick commercial for you men, we're doing this Bible study starting Thursday morning, and we're also doing it Thursday nights, seven weeks, we're going to go through this. But in this letter, the Apostle Paul says at one point, he says, my desire, my goal, my plan in life is to make sure that you finish your life mature as you can possibly be, complete as you can possibly be before you meet the Lord. 
The Apostle Paul says this to this church. Really, this is one of my goals, why I would get up here each week and why I would labor is I want this for you. One day you are going to meet God face to face. One day this physical life will be over and I want you to be as mature as you possibly can be when you meet God. I not only want this for you, I want this for me, I want this for my wife, I want this for my kids. You should want this for you, you should want it for your family, you should be striving after this. I want my loved ones to be mature in Christ. I want them to be so complete that they would, when they get near the end of their life, or even today they'd say, you know what, I'm at peace if the Lord takes me home now, or whenever. And that's a sign of maturity, and hopefully we're all in this process. Well, let me talk about why I think this maturity is needed a little more. Simply, this is a, good, a desire that God has for every single one of you. He says, I don't want you just to grow old. Okay? I want you to mature. He wants you first to know his son Jesus, to place your trust in him and to have eternal life. But then he says, I want you to mature in your faith. I don't want you to be a spiritual baby forever. How ridiculous would that be if our 30-year-old son was set home sucking his thumb still with his little whoopee and saying, show me Sesame Street. We'd say, that's not good for my 30-year-old son. And yet God is looking at us sometimes and saying, you know what? I've saved you, and I want you to grow up. I want you to stop sucking your thumb. I want you to mature. God has so much in store for us to be and to do, and he says this for every single one of us. I want you to mature. Last week, I I talked to you a little bit about the mission of the church. If you were here, great. You'd remember that. If not... You go online and listen to this. As we were kicking off uh, last Sunday for our year of ministry, we were saying really the point of church is not to entertain you. It's not to keep you busy. I'm not here to tell you funny stories or anything like this for 30 minutes or so, but I'm here to point you to Jesus. Our ministries are here to point you to Jesus. The idea is all of these things are to help you mature in your relationship with Jesus. And so when Scott Brayton talks about things for men, it's not to keep you entertained. It's to say, listen, go to these retreats so that you can find friendships. Ultimately, you can find more of God. Go to these Bible studies so that you would find more of God, so that you would mature. Last week, we used the illustration that we are on an aircraft carrier. Remember this image? That here we are, we gather together on Sundays, and we refuel, and we recharge, and we say, okay, this is the mission I'm on, and then we take off. And when you leave this building today, you are again on this mission field as you go home, as you go to work, as you go to school, as you walk your neighborhood. This is part of maturing, understanding your mission, understanding what God has for you. I will say this, maturity takes a while. There's no plan I have that after six weeks you'll get a certificate that says you're mature, all right? That's not going to happen necessarily. But what I'd like to do is set you on a course. I'd like to help. For some of you, you are on that plan. I'm going to encourage you on that course. Some of you got distracted off that course. I'm going to say let's get back on it and head toward maturity. Some of you are saying, I don't know anything about Jesus. I'd love to introduce him to you so that you can get on this course and grow in maturity. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to look at different aspects of what maturity looks like in a relationship with Jesus. Does that sound good? Are you okay with that? 
Just nod. You can even go, mm-hmm, if that sounds good. You can even say amen. All right, there we go. Okay, well, today what I'd like to do is I'd like to start by leading us to understand more of who God is. When we talk about maturity, the first step, before I just tell you a bunch of things to do, I think it goes back to understanding more of who God is. The one who created you, the one who put this earth in the sky, who holds it together. Let's just spend some time understanding who, who he is. Go ahead and take a deep breath, if you would. Just God made all of this. He made your lungs and your brain and your heart, your ears to hear that. He made the oxygen. This is that God. And this is this God then who sends you on a mission, says, oh, I've got a mission for you. You're growing closer to me, and I'm sending you out, and you're going to make a difference in your world. And this is the God also that you will give an account to one day. I don't know when, but your physical life will end. Sometimes we just forget about that and think, nah, that's not going to happen until I'm like 105 or something. All right? But your life will end, and you will meet this God And I want you to understand more of who he is so that you would grow in maturity, being ready to meet him. Certainly you can know a lot about God. I could get here today and just tell you for 30 minutes, just run down and tell you a ton of facts about God. And you could go, got it, good. Some of us get some math concepts every once in a while. In grade school, we memorize some mathematical tables and things like this. And we know some, but maybe we don't understand why. We don't really understand it. We just know it. And I want you to do more than know some things about God, but I would want you to understand it. I, want it, I would want it to go from head knowledge to heart knowledge that it would make a difference in the way you live. And I think that if we un- misunderstand this, if we misunderstand who God is, it's nearly impossible to grow in Christian maturity. If we don't understand who this God is who rescued us and who is changing us and has a plan for us and has a home for us, if you don't understand him, you just try to figure it out on your own and we mess it all up. And so let's start here at understanding who God is. And for that, I want us to look into the book of Job today. It's a story about God, mostly, and also a story about this man named Job. If you're taking notes, I want to give you a few things to write down. Today, I want to start with, by saying this, that Job was mature in his relationship with God. We know this as we read this book, as we start in this book, that he was mature. He had a good level of maturity. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 1, it says this about Job, that he was blameless, he was upright, he had a reverence and a fear of God, and he turned away from evil. That's a sign of maturity. I, I would like that to be said of each of us, that we'd look and go, oh, that person's blameless, upright, trusting, fearing, having a reverence of God, and turning away from evil. That's a sign of maturity. And Job was that. But yet, we also know this, that Job had room for growth. There's no way we can make it through this whole book today, so I'm going to just kind of run you through some of this. But Job certainly had room for growth. We also know this about Job, and if you don't, I invite you to read this story. Start chapters 1 and 2 today. 
after we're done here, preferably. And here's what we know about Job, that Job is this man. He's blameless, upright. He's fearing God. He's turning away from evil. And yet God allowed some terrible things to happen in his life. We would look at this and go, I am so sorry, Job. Job was a wealthy man. He had possession and livestock. He had servants. And he gets news that they're stolen, that they're taken, they're, they're dead. He has ten children. And he gets news that all ten are killed. After that, Job then takes on physical ailments and pains. Some of you have experienced things like this with multiple sclerosis and cancer and and things like this. Job is in pain. And then to add on to all of that, his wife turns against him. She says, would you just curse God and die and end this whole thing? He's going through a lot. Now remember, he's a mature man, but God knows he has room for growth. And God has him experience a ton of pain. Eventually, Job has three friends. They come and hang out with him for a bit. They just sit with him for a bit. They're just there in quietness and comfort him. And before long, they start to speak, and they start to give their opinions. They start to be critical. They say, Job, if you were truly right with God, this wouldn't have happened. And they start ripping on him a little bit. And they start picking him apart. Job starts responding and he gets bad and he, he retaliates and he gets mad with God. And he, he has his opinion on all this. And for 35 chapters, this really goes on. Conversation between Job and his friends. I'd like to notice and sum up those 35 chapters in this and saying Job and his friends, they seriously misunderstood who God was and what God was doing. Job and his friends seriously misunderstood who God was. They had opinions, but they totally misunderstood what was going on. And as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help but think of you and me. I thought, are there ever times where we, even in our maturity, do we ever make the same mistake that Job and his friends did? where we misunderstand who God is or what he's doing. Do we sit there and say, I don't get it. And sometimes we we verbalize this. The Psalms are full of those, and we looked at some of those this summer. They're just saying, God, I don't get it. We say, I thought I was doing everything right. Then why did this happen to me? I think sometimes we make the same mistake. We don't understand who God is. We don't understand what he's doing And then sometimes then maybe for a season we walk away from God. We just get embittered with God. And this is happening with Job and his friends. They misunderstood. All the while, God says, you still have room to grow. In your anger, in your frustration, God's saying, you still have room to grow. I know you have a great level of Christian maturity. Some of you have walked with the Lord for so long Yet you have something to learn from God as well. Sometimes in our frustrations, we say things like this. God, you must not love me anymore. God, this happened maybe because of my sin and you're punishing me. You said things like that before to God. All of these things are a slight misunderstanding of 
who God is and what he's actually trying to do. Some of you hide from God. You think, you know what, I've done wrong. I'm just going to hide. And maybe after I hide for a while, I'll start to earn God's favor back. It's a misunderstanding of who God is. It's a misunderstanding of what he's doing in your life. You see, God has thoughts. He has opinions. He has understanding. You don't. And sometimes then we make wrong assumptions. We say, you know what? I I think this about sexuality. I think this about world politics. And God says, actually, you don't understand what's going on. We have opinions and we say, this person's good. This person's bad. And God says, man, you do not understand what you don't understand me and my heart. You don't understand what I'm doing. Job had this problem. I think you and I have this problem. And Job, after all his human wisdom, after all of his personal opinions, talking to God and talking to his friends, one day God spoke to Job. God had heard this going on, and God just interjects and says, I just need to speak to Job and fill him in. I need him to understand some things. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read for you some of what God said to Job. I'm going to read from chapter 38. I usually don't read this much, but I'm going to read a little more than I typically do. For that reason, I'm going to read out of the message. So if you try to follow along in your Bible, it won't be word for word here. But the simplicity of these words are going to be helpful. This is what God says to Job. Listen to this. And now, finally, God answered Job from the eye of a violent storm, and he said, Why do you confuse the issue? Why do you talk without knowing what you're talking about? Pull yourself together, Job. Up on your feet, stand tall. I have some questions for you, and I want some straight answers. Where were you when I created the earth? Tell me, since you know so much. Who decided on its size? Certainly you'll know that. Who came up with the blueprints and the measurements? How was its foundation poured? And who set the cornerstone while the morning stars sang in chorus and all the angels shouted praise? And who took charge of the ocean when it gushed forth like a baby from the womb? Job, that was me. I wrapped it in soft clouds and tucked it in safely at night. Then I made a playpen for it, a strong playpen, so it couldn't run loose and said... Stay here. This is your place. Your wild tantrums are confined to this place. Job, have you ever ordered the morning? Get up. Told the dawn, get to work. So you could seize earth like a blanket and shake out the wicked like cockroaches. As the sun brings everything to life, brings out all the colors and shapes, the cover of darkness is snatched from the wicked. They are caught in the very act. Have you ever gone to the true bottom of things, explored the labyrinth caves of deep ocean? Do you know the first thing about death? Do you have one clue regarding death's dark mysteries? And do you have any idea how large the earth is? Speak up if you have even the beginning of an answer. Do you know where light comes from and where darkness lives so that you can take them by the hand and lead them home when they get lost? Why, of course you know that. You've known them all your life, grown up in the same neighborhood with them. Have you ever traveled to where snow is made, seen the vault where hail is stockpiled, the arsenals of hail and snow, 
that I keep in readiness for times of trouble and battle and war? Can you find your way to where lightning is launched or to the place from which the wind blows? Who do you suppose carves canyons from the downpours of rain and charts the route of thunderstorms that bring water to revisited fields, deserts no one ever lays eyes on, drenching the useless wasteland so they're carpeted with wildflowers and grass? And who do you think is the father of rain and dew, the mother of ice and frost? You don't for a minute imagine these marvels of weather just happen, do you, Job? Can you catch the eye of the beautiful Pleiades sisters or distract Orion from his hunt? Can you get Venus to look your way or get the great bear and her cubs to come out and play? Do you know the first thing about the sky's constellations and how they affect things on earth? Can you get the attention of the clouds and commission a shower of rain? Can you take charge of the lightning bolts and have them report to you for orders? Who do you think gave weather wisdom to the ibis and storm savvy to the rooster? Does anyone know enough to number all the clouds or tip over the rain barrels of heaven when the earth is cracked and dry, the ground baked hard as a brick? Can you teach the lioness to stalk her prey and satisfy the appetite of her cubs as they crouch in their den, waiting hungrily in their cave? And who sets food for the raven when their young cry to God, fluttering about because they have no food? And God goes on for another chapter, and I'm not going to read chapter 39. You can do that later. And God just blows Job away and says, wait a second. You think you understand what you're going through? Do you understand what's going on in the cosmos? You don't have a clue, do you? Go over to chapter 40, if you would. And I will read this out of your Bible that's sitting in front of you. And the Lord said a few more things to Job. Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty... He who argues with God, let him answer it. Verse 3, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. And then God speaks some more. Go over to chapter 42, if you would. And after hearing more of God say, this is who I am, and, and Job, you just, you can't get all of this about me. Chapter 42, read what Job said. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Lord, you said, who is that this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I've uttered what I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. God, you said, hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of, my, of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. Job is just blown away in this encounter with God. 
I would encourage you to read this again this week and just try to understand. And God's saying this to us, and he's just saying, listen, you think you know what's going on in your life? I've got this grand plan of all time. i got this planet and this universe, and I love you dearly, but you, you hardly know your own heart. I know the depths of your heart. Let me make some observations for us as I, re, as I look at these passages. And I see that Job came to this massive realization that he had an incomplete view of God. When God tells him all of this, he's just like, okay, I don't know much. I get it now. I have an incomplete view. I do not have a mature view of who you are and what you're doing. I get it. Zip it. And as I look at this, I I think you and I, we have an incomplete view of God. You say, I don't understand why the cancer is coming back. I don't understand why my car, my home is falling apart. I don't understand why this relationship is falling apart. I don't get it. And God says, okay, I understand that you don't get it, but don't get mad at me. I I want you to look to me, and I want you to trust me, because I'm a God who has this all in control. You You do not have a completely mature view of everything. You might have some hearsay. You might have rumors. Some of us, we grow up maybe with our parents' religion, and we say, I think I got it figured out. Some of us who are really opinionated, we start saying, I think I got this figured out. But God is saying, listen, you don't. But there is a loving, compassionate, gracious God who does, and he holds you in his hand, and you cannot contend with the Almighty. You see, as I'm looking at this, Job learned a few things. Job learned this, that only God has complete understanding of what's happening in his life and in the world. Job learned only God has this complete understanding. Only God. He thought he did. I think I know what's going on in my life with my friends, with my family. Nope. Actually, God is the only one who has complete understanding of all of this. Wow. That's mind-blowing. You see, for us to mature in our relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we have to grow in our understanding of God that He is massive. And He's not that He's distant because He's very near. And it's not that He's mean at all. He's very loving. But He's the only one who has complete understanding. He says, I want you to trust me. I think one of the things that Job learned was that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that God alone is holding everything together, that God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. And that might scare you a little bit, but that's who God is. He says, I'm God, you're not. And you and I, we try to insulate our lives and say, you know what, if I have enough of a checking account and a savings account and maybe a retirement account, then I'll just be insulated and I'll be in control. And God says, listen, that's never the case. He says, I'm in control. I do what I want. And I'm not mean or mad about it, but I work as I see best. I'm God. He said, just, just consider that in chapter 8. All those things I'm in charge of. <laughs> you, you, you can't even, you don't even know what's coming next week in your life. 
And Job learned that God is completely sovereign. And as we become mature, we start to have this understanding. Wow, God, you are God. I'm not. Not at all. I'm not even God of my own life. No way. So I was looking at this. I thought, okay, so how are we going to grow in our understanding of God? Because we might not necessarily get an encounter where God speaks to us in a violent whirlwind like that and just lays into us for a bit and says, listen, here's who I am, here's who you are. How do we grow in our understanding of God? There are some ways, and I'd like to share a couple with you. First one is this, to spend time with God and with His Word. Spend time with God and His Word. Job did not have what we have in front of us. God says, I've given this to you to correct you and teach you and equip you to spend time with him and his word. I want you to look at this psalm. Write this down if you would. This psalm, Psalm 119, verse 130, says this, that the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The idea here in that Psalm 119 over and over talks about understanding of the Word. When we open this and spend time with this, it gives light. And it says it imparts understanding to who? Us, the simple. You want understanding of who God is? You spend time with Him in His Word. If I asked you to write down how much time did you spend with God this week? And sometimes we might say, well, on the drive to work, I listen to Christian radio. That's good. That's uplifting for your spirit. Good job. And you say, you know what? I went on Facebook, and there were a couple people who put some nice Bible verses. Good. I'm glad you saw those. But I'm asking you, how much time did you spend alone with God? And you're like, well, it's football season. Sometimes I think we just got to turn off that TV or the phone And say, you know what, I need to spend some time with God. Because when Job is complaining and whining and in misery, it's not till he's alone with God that he understands, this is who God is, this is who I am, this is how it works. And what happens as we spend time with God is that he reveals his character, he reveals his love to us. He says, let me show you who I am. If you would open your Bibles this week, as you'd spend time with God, he's going to say, this is my character. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mean. I'm not grumpy. I'm gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's my character, full of love for you. At the bottom of your notes, you'll see this. And those of you reading the Bible and using the plan, uh, the bread project that we have, you'll see some passages. Read those this week. We're going to finish up the book of Proverbs there. That is wisdom on how to gain understanding in relationships in life. Read through the book of Ecclesiastes. The wise King Solomon says, I tried pleasure. I tried money. I tried women. I tried all of these things, drink and food. Nothing satisfied. Spoiler alert, he says, you know what? At the end of it, I I can't find meaning unless I look to God. Read that this week. Read in the New Testament, the end of the Gospel of John. That's where we're at here. Just read about Jesus' story. He goes to the cross. Why does he do this? Because he loves us. 
He pays for our sins. He's buried. He's raised from the dead. Read that so that you would understand God. Spend time with him. I say this also to myself. That means, okay, probably turn off the TV a little more. Go to another room. Grab a journal. Talk and listen to God. And this is one of the ways we grow in understanding about God. Secondly, we would grow in our understanding of God as we invest in family relationships. Write this one down if you would. We would grow in our understanding of God as we spend time in family relationships. You see, this is why we say we have coffee connection, ladies, or mornings for moms. Or this is why we say, guys, have a retreat. Vince and Dan go to the retreat. There's intrepidation and things like that. But what did they need? They needed family relationships. Now they're buddies. They're sitting there next to each other. They spend time together. There's family relationships that we all need. God made us not to live alone, but in community. He says, I'll put my spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you. And you need each other. And this is one of the ways we grow in understanding of God. My wife yesterday, she went to a one-day retreat when she came home, and I came home from the Beaver football game. Good game, right? We get together, and she starts telling me about her day. And she said, I asked the Lord certain things, and he spoke to me certain things. And she's telling me, not necessarily just as a wife, but as a sister in Christ. And she's telling me things, and I'm learning this is what my soul needs. God's speaking to her. She's sharing it with me. We need family relationships, not just husband and wife, but we need brothers and sisters. And this is why we put together groups and classes and things like this. You need each other. And as you hear from each other, God speaks to them and he shares it to you. He speaks to you and you're supposed to share it to them. And you're going to grow in your understanding of God as you interact in these family relationships. We have these for youth. We have these groups called Celebrate Recovery. All of these things so that family relationships would happen. Now, I want to give one last thought, and it is this, that God will grow us into maturity. He will do the work. God will grow us into maturity as some things happen. And as I go back to Job, and I hear about this man, he was blameless. He was upright. He was fearing God and turning away from evil. Here's a good man, and yet God says, I've got room for growth in him. How did that growth come about? And God said, well, with Job, I'm going to bring him through some hardships, right? And God said, he is mature, but I want him to understand me more. I want him to become more mature. I want him to know me in greater ways. And as I look at that story, it's like God allowed great difficulties in his life. You and I, we want to run from those, right? This week, I almost wrote down, I want to run from this. And then I erased it like, no, 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 no. But that's my first thought, right? But God says, you know what? I'm going to allow tough things in your life at times because I want to mature you. I want you to know me more. I want to grow you. What happened with Job is, he says, oh, I've heard about you, but now I've actually seen you. Now I believe I know you. 
If you finish the book of Job, the, the last part of that last chapter, the Lord blesses him greatly. But here's what happens with Job, and here's what happens for us, is that God will grow us in maturity as we continually trust Jesus in the middle of our hardships. As we continually trust Jesus in the middle of our hardships. You see, this isn't just all on you. It's like, okay, you've got to work hard to mature. God's going to do the work. And he'll bring about hardships in your life to get your attention. But as you trust in him, he will mature us. You say, God, 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 is there another way I can be mature than through hardships? He goes, yeah, but you usually don't pay attention to those. So usually I have to get your attention. And I think every single one of us get that. We get to a point where we have to cry. Where we have to say, God, I need you more than my bank account. God, I need you more than my reputation. God, I need you more than my job. God, I need you more than my family. And what happens is, he says, I'm going to allow you to be in certain situations where you would trust me. And you might think, I'm breaking you, but I'm not. Not completely. I just want you to trust me. This is what God does for Job, and you read the end, and Job is blessed immensely. Imagine Job right now, he's with the Lord, and he's like, oh, Scott, preach it, man. Tell him my story. Help them to know this story, that the best way to live is to trust Jesus, especially in those hardships, because those hardships are designed to point us to Jesus. The good news in this, because you heard hardships, the good news is that God is maturing us. He is, and he will. He's going to grow our faith in all of these things. Job gets to the end and says, it was more than just a rumor or Sunday school stories I heard about God. I've now seen him. I know him. He understands a whole lot more about his creator. And God's going to continue to do that in us. And this week, as you encounter more hardships, just know the answer is you trust Jesus. You trust him. You hold on to him. You call out to him. You spend time with him. You hang out in those family relationships. And he will grow us toward maturity. I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes and reflect a bit. If you like to write things down, maybe do this at this time. Because God has been, as I've been speaking, God has been speaking to your heart. And maybe it's about your lack of spending time with him. I know that that is one thing I hear. Maybe it's the fact that you need to engage in family relationship and hang out more with brothers and sisters. Maybe it's about trusting in the midst of your hardship and your trial that you're going through right now. But God is speaking to you and he's saying, learn from my servant Job. Learn from my son Jesus. He faced hardship to the point of going to the cross. And he, he died. He was buried. But I raised him to life and I'm going to do the same with you. So trust me. Trust me. Heavenly Father,
We need to understand you more. And I'm going to be first to say it. I need to understand you more. Not just based on what I've heard before. I want more of you. I really do. And that's kind of scary because you, you might speak through a violent whirlwind and say, trust me, Scott. And that, it's a little scary. My brothers and sisters, God, we need to understand you more. So speak to us. Help us to carve time to hear you. I, I thank you for helping us carve out even this time today. We, we had other options this morning. But we're here because we do want to hear from you. We want to understand you better. Because sometimes we get upset with you and we get cranky when life doesn't go our way. You know that. So God, would you help us spend time with you this week? Would you help us to invest in relationships and to hear from others and to speak into others? And God, would you help us to trust you in all things? When we want to give up, help us to trust that you've started a good work and you'll carry it on to completion. When we want to give up, help us to know that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new each day. God, help us to know this. Help us to know that our current sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Help us to know this. Help us to trust you. And I pray this over my brothers and sisters. Whatever they are going through, help them to trust you. Because you are this amazing God. Never had a beginning. Will never have an end. You know everything. You hold us together. You hold this planet together. It's spinning and we have no clue what's really going on. But you have it all under control. You have us in your hand. And so thank you for being this amazing God. We trust you today. Help us to trust you this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.